0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Networking and Marketing Made Simple. Super excited for today's episode for a number of reasons. Uh number 1, obviously it's another interview episode and I know all of you love hearing the stories, the journeys that all of my guests have had to go through. Uh but I really am excited about uh, talking to the individual I have for you today, Kara Payton because, you know, understanding um how the subconscious works. And I think mindset is an area of business and in life, not necessarily it's untapped, but once you can harness the power of your subconscious and how you can rewire and reprogram yourself, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. And Kara is an author, she's a motivational speaker, authenticity strategist, and subconscious reprogramming expert. She's in the top 10% ranked podcast host with five years of experience in the event production and volunteer team building for Tony Robbins and so much more. I don't want to give away all the juicy details because I want to talk about it in this episode. So Kara, welcome to today's episode.
1: Thank you, Scott. Super excited to be here.
0: So let's jump right in. So before we talk about all of the stuff that you're doing uh, in the subconscious reprogramming space. I, I always love knowing, and my listeners do as well, is kind of like the story behind the story. So if you could rewind the tape and go back into a, a point in your journey, you know, we call it the aha moment or the light bulb moment. What was that moment for Kara where she realized, you know what? I have something here. I need to lean into this and I need to go out, go down this path that I'm on. And it's kind of led you to where you are right now.
1: Oh gosh. you know, it's funny when people talk about aha moments, I've had so many that I feel like there's not one destructure that my life has ever faced. I've, I've come to multiple levels where, because the contrast of who I was in that moment and where I want to go has always been so vast. I'm in the middle of a contrast right now where I've been privy to a version of myself that I am not. And I don't really ever get these small gaps between, oh, this is another, this is another level. It's something I just need to traverse the next three months and I'll have attained it. It's always a two to five year out vision of myself. And this person always knocks me on my heels. So multiple iterations of aha moments in my life where I kind of come to grips with I don't want to be who I am right now. Oh my gosh, I really don't want to be. I don't I don't like what I assume others' experiences of me are. And the first one that I can think of was just realizing, you know, I had the, the big house, the big car, the fancy job, the, I was a pivotal member of my society. I'm volunteering. I'm feeling great. I have been married for, you know, 10 years at this point. And I have my life figured out. Well, the most dangerous thing you can ever do as a person is think, claim that you have your life figured out that is just when the universe tends to go, okay, hold my beer. <laughs> so I walked into my house and I had this such a disjointed feeling that when I walked in my front door, I felt like I was walking in someone else's house. I, I could recognize it and see it intellectually that this is my house. None of these things are unfamiliar territory, but I was so out of my body that it was it was palpable how uncomfortable I felt. And I remember thinking, panicking because there was no other stone to overturn. There was no other box to check. There was nothing else to do to kind of fill that hole. And I had been working for years to get to where I was. But in that moment, I realized that the hole, the fulfillment wasn't there. And it was the first moment that I experienced absolute panic that, oh my gosh, I don't have, anything else to do. And I'm on the top, I'm on the summit. And this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I planned out. So my first kind of call to the universe was just, oh my God, if this is all that there is to life, can I please just be happy with something for once? Because I'm very unfulfilled. And this is where I thought I would be and be fulfilled. So help me out. If if there's something else to this, break me open and show me what I'm missing. That was the first one about 20. 15, I want to say, but then multiple moments alone in a bathtub, praying to the universe, get, getting mad at God, anything that you want to say. There's been several, probably probably every other year I go through another one.
0: <laughs> you know, there, there's a couple things that you talked about and, um, you know, the the pinnacle or the peak and something that my wife and I truly believe in because people ask us, how do you guys continue to, you know, grow, scale? And build your business and your company year in, year out is because we understand completely that the peak of one mountain is the valley of the next. So you're you're never really at the top. You know, you you may achieve certain things, but then it's like, okay, you look up and there's another mountain to climb. And I think that the one thing that that I truly sit in is that when getting uncomfortable becomes comfortable for you. You know that you're going to be doing big things because that's the thing. Complacency is is one of the worst places to be because when you quote unquote settle and you get comfortable with where you are, you stop growing. You know, you stop learning. You stop stretching. So I always go back. You know, I think being a parent kind of helps me go back to this as well. Um, you know, our, our son is going to be 11 um, in at the end of August. At the time that people are listening to this, he's already turned 11. But I watch him. And I see all the things that he's learning about and that he's stretching himself and he's willing to try, you know, he did summer camp this this summer and, you know, he tried all these new things. He tried archery and he tried all the rock climbing and all this stuff. And there's no fear around it. It's like, okay, let me grab this bow and arrow and let me, let me shoot at the target. And it really, when you realize that we're just grown kids and we allow at certain points, the six inches between our ears, we allow that space to dictate what we will or won't do. That's when you kind of go down that slippery slope of of not achieving certain things and really questioning uh, your life and, and the journey that you're on. So going back to Kara, uh, uh, pre-entrepreneurship, where, you know, you you were climbing the corporate ladder, and there's always things to take away and lessons to be learned in, in every aspect of your business. If you can go back to the, the the corporate Cara compared to the entrepreneur Cara that she is right now, what was a pivotal lesson or thing that you can latch back onto from your corporate life that allowed you to succeed with what you're doing right now?
1: That's a good one. And I think it probably goes back to what you said with comfortability and uncomfortability i have always been uncomfortable with what many will many settle for many find completely acceptable i get viscerally uncomfortable with and so that has never not been there but my, my journey is kind of unique because i was in i was in the working force for a very very short amount of time And then immediately after I was sacrificing, I became very, very, very aware that I was sacrificing my time and my life for peanuts. It it wasn't, what I was trading time for money and it was never going to be worth it. And one day that became very, very obvious with I only had one son at the time and I found out he was being abused in his daycare center. And so I'm trading 12 to 14 hour days to have somebody else, care for my son and they weren't even caring for my son. So I was already feeling conflicted inside that somebody else is caring for my son more than I am spending more time of their day. And I would come home and I'm basically a roommate with him and I'm taking care of him, putting him to bed so we can start this all up. And I was like, there has to be a better way. And that constant iteration of that fact, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way is always wrong. True. So, you know, I immediately quit my job, had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew that that boat had sailed. I was never going to work for somebody else ever again, whatever it meant, whether I'm, you know, this was 20 years ago. So whether it was selling Tupperware or Mary Kay or whatever, whatever was popular back then, I knew that that even that was going to be superior to trading time for money to have my family outsourced. Essentially, there's a lot of things you can outsource that I would absolutely suggest you outsource, caring for your home and your family not one of them so that ability to constantly innovate in, in myself in my life in my family there has to be a better way when you're an entrepreneur there's always a better way and so i would say those that theme has pretty much rung true since i was since i was little i was oh, there has to be a better way even if it was just me digging in the dirt and finding out okay I have to continuously feed water through this to make it a mudslide or whatever. There has to be a better way. It's like, well, if I do this, if, then it constantly feeds it, and I don't to do it. I was an entrepreneur when I was four.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, w- once you realize that you're psychologically unemployable, there's really, there's no turning back. So you mentioned, you know, burning the ships and, you know, uh, something that, that Tony always talks about. Tony Robbins, that is, is, you know, burn the boats, right? So there's, there's no turning back. You kind of, kind of, you have to lean into it, you know, being with him and spending that, that time with him for, you know, five plus years, what, what, what were the big lessons or, or the, the big thing that you learned working so closely with him, um, with his events and everything else that allowed you to not only understand the power of what was inside of you. But really starting to tap into this subconscious power that we all have that's then allowed you to teach it to others
1: 100% the environment. Your energy creates your outcome, but there's things that create the kind of energy that you'll have, or influence the energy that you will have, or lack thereof. And your environment and proximity to, for example, If a room is set or an oven is set or a a kiln is set to a thousand degrees, anything in that room, it may not reach a thousand degrees, but it's going to burn a lot hotter than if the oven were set to half of that. In my environment with Tony, anything that I was able to max out, setting my heat to, setting my temperature, setting my energy, setting my goals to, outside of that environment was always so much less, so much smaller. When I get to another place in my life where I realize I'm thinking small again, my goals are stagnant, things in my life have become complacent, or if I'm starting to notice that things are slipping, I look around first at my environment and the people I am curating in my life. And I was like, okay, something, something has gotten too busy, too staticky. I'm not filtering out enough. And even though that may mean for a lot of us, entrepreneurship is lonely. Entrepreneurship is extremely lonely, especially when you're maybe you don't have a a network that is a lot of high level thinkers. You know, here in Kansas City, I have there's entrepreneurs, but they're a different type of entrepreneur that, you know, most of the people that I'm in proximity with, they, they are coastal. They are all over the world. They're global. They're on a global scale here in the Midwest. It's harder. It's not impossible, but it's harder to find somebody who thinks on a global scale, something that's just that big. And when you want to make an impact in the world, you can't have people that only want to make an impact in their home or an impact in their community or their neighborhood. And so filtering out people that don't think better, not the same, but better than I am who are, my good friend, Ken Jocelyn says, get in a room where people think bigger than you do. And I'm constantly struggling and volleying for rooms where people are thinking bigger than I am. And I'd rather be in a room with myself than in a room with people who think smaller. And so that kind of, that was probably the biggest overriding lesson that I took away is I became such an intense, passionate, driven person in those rooms. And when I'm out of them, I fall. We don't, we've, um, Tony also always used to say, we don't, we don't do what we want. We do what we must. We don't do what we can. We do what we must. And we will always fall to the level of our must rather than our wants. Our standards, the, the bottom line is where we will always hover. And so if you want to raise your standard, that is the only time when something is actually going to improve in your life. It's like a rising tide, rising tide, uh, Uh, left levels all boats or rising tide what raises all boats I don't know um and that's that's definitely probably if I had to take away one theme all of my years touring with Tony it would be that for sure environment
0: yeah and and, um his documentary I am not your guru which came out a number of years ago which was it, it was a really good behind the scenes of what actually goes into it um obviously you know he he still has all his events but uh, I, I really love that aspect. And I, I, I forget if it was Les Brown or Robin Sharma that said, you know, uh, if you if you end up becoming the smartest one in the room, it's time to find uh, a new room or a new circle the uh, to room. one way. Yeah. And, and again, that's it's now I don't want people to misconstrue that message. You know what Karen and I are saying is don't defriend your friends and, and don't, you know, annex your family, your family's your family, your friends, are your friend. But when you talk about, you know, people that inspire you, motivate you, push you, you, you want to put yourself into a room um, or in a space where you're getting stretched by other people by what they're doing. And that's why, you know, masterminds are great. Group coaching programs are great. You know, working with a coach is great. So when we, we talk about subconscious programming, in in the in respect cuz a, a lot of business professionals coaches and consultants listen to this podcast uh and a lot of people are struggling right now you know i'm i'm just going to say it you know the social media has become very you know saturated with a lot of people pitching and selling and you know people are falling for some of the the poor marketing tactics that are going out there and unfortunately, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are, you know, quitting what they're doing to go back to a regular nine to five because they feel that there's safety and security in that. And, and again, for some people, there is. but there's for a lot of those other entrepreneurs, there, there's still that feeling in the pit of their stomach that something is missing. Like they should not be doing what they're doing. they they know they have something that's that's uh, worthy for other people to have. and um, it's needed in in the marketplace or the space that they're in. But, again, that, that six inches between their ears is really, really hurting them. Talk a little bit about subconscious programming for, for those that may not know what it is. And once it is harnessed or mastered and more so applied to maybe some bottlenecks or area of struggle in people's lives and businesses, what can actually happen?
1: That is such a good question. And I do want to back up just a tad to reinforce what you just said about not defriending your friends and and. Un- disassociating with your family, that's absolutely the case. I want to make one discernment that I did not make when I was saying that is that it's the output and the input factor. Your output absolutely keep feeding your friends, keep feeding your family, love on them, support them, fan their flames, encourage them. Give them the energy that rewards the behavior and the type of person that you know that they can be and remove energy when they are stuck in a story, when they're being disempowering to themselves or when just remove Feed the energy to give them the reward, that dopamine drip of what, like, oh, this this type of person is what garners more connection with this. As far as your input, though, that's that's the discernment I wanted to make. Who speaks into you? What energy you allow into your force? That input, that has to be filtered and curated. That is when, as far as my friend goes, I may be able to speak into them consistently, but I'm no longer going to call them up for my 4am phone call advice, if I'm panicking, I'm going to be very, very mindful of who I'm allowing to speak into my world. So that now that that's out of the way, the subconscious has been mystified in a way that is just, it's not serving anybody very well. The subconscious and there's habits, everything has been, been given this Mysterious label that it's so much more complicated than it is. The brain absolutely is this amazing machine. It's, but it is a machine. All machines have a reason for doing anything and operations. There's things that are just very structured that we can know about the brain. And ultimately, without getting into everything from neuroscience all the way down to basic synapses and all that, it can be boiled down into it is a computer. It is a computer that has a function that has been predetermined by the basis of self-preservation to keep you alive, to help you survive. If you don't know anything about the brain, the only thing you really need to know, and it boils down to it, is that your brain is a computer built for self-preservation. Your prolonged experience here is trying to keep you alive. So anything that it, but here's the caveat that machine perceives things as dangerous that are not dangerous. That discernment is a decision you make in your prefrontal cortex. So there's there's a terminology, basically just your higher executive function. You have two basic parts of the brain. The, we'll call it for the sake of just pure comprehension, a better part of you, and a fearful part of you, a higher part of you and a lizard part of you, a a human part of you and an animal part of you. The human part of you can make a decision, that's actually not dangerous. I'm not gonna get killed if I take this financial risk. I'm not gonna, at the end of the day, even if this fails or tanks, if I go up on stage and I blow this public speaking engagement to pieces, I'm not gonna die. So there's no reason for me to feel this utter complete survival panic throughout my entire system that higher executive function can speak to the lizard that's going, I can't go on stage. I can't go, what are you talking about go on stage? I've never been on stage. What are you talking about? This is, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get cast aside with pitchforks and they're gonna, hey, they're not going to do that, but your brain would have you believe otherwise to keep you from walking on that stage. The subconscious essentially to tap into it, we first need to maybe unpack a little bit of what the conscious is our conscious awareness, our conscious mind are things that we are aware of. It is things that I can identify. If I have a fear of public speaking that I am consciously aware that with public speaking, I turn into a different person to try and avoid it. The subconscious mind is the things that are kind of, the lumps under the rug that we're not necessarily privy to. It's things that barrier us, get in our way, uh, self-sabotage, procrastination, all that stuff that we're not necessarily super, we can't be aware of it, so we can't be vigilant to change anything about it. Questions, really, really, really well-placed questions, but first, just a question of why this is where it is, how this has gotten to be the way it is. What about this is actually true? What about this is a true take and not some sort of story that my mind has built up about it? Once i Plant one question, my brain is automatically going to answer it. So the caveat with the questions is they have to be decent questions. They have to be questions that you would absolutely want the answer to. What is wrong with me? Terrible question. Your brain is going to start answering what is wrong with you. It's going to start giving you reasons for what is wrong with you. Well, this, and this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and then that's when you get into these limiting beliefs, we'll say, limiting beliefs, that's not, limiting beliefs don't limit you. <laughs> if you can choose something other than when, when it starts to present itself, that's not a limiting belief. It's a story that you've chosen to actively participate in. And so conscious just basically unseats the story. Okay, instead of a question of what is wrong with me, how about why am I not seeing the results that I would like to see? back up behind that. What's a better question than than that? What is a better question than that? What is a better question than that? Getting curious, asking why as many levels as you possibly can. And so ultimately what we're going to discover is that there is a lens of the world that we wear, that is our subconscious programming. Just the way I automatically view the world, things that I am still not even aware that alter my view of the world. And those questions basically allow you to take off the glasses, take off the lens and go, oh my God, there's a real version and there's my perception. And once you hack into that little middle space of perception and reality, you now have full blown access to your subconscious mind. Because now we're able to see where I move into an alteration process And what is actually out there in the world is reality. And so questions, I would say, questions are the first, probably the easiest way for one to self-explore that space.
0: Nancy and I talk about peeling back the, the layers of the onion, so to speak. And the more that we can dig deep, you can find the root cause to a connection point to an emotion, right? I think we've all have experienced some form of trauma. Now, trauma can be a physical trauma. It could be an emotional trauma. Um, it could be a mental trauma, whatever it is. But there's always a way to work through it. Trauma is always going to be there. There's always going to be things that kind of bubble up. But it's, it's to your point, reprogramming yourself to acknowledge something that's going on and moving past it, acknowledging it, not ignoring it, not stuffing it, not sweeping it under the carpet, but how can I leverage and use this to my benefit, to make me better, to make me stronger? And I think it's it's those uh, differences that we can make within ourselves and for ourselves that allow us to get to those new levels and the new heights that we never thought were going to be possible. Now, Kara, before we, we start to wind down, if someone was to ask you uh, with, with the subconscious reprogramming that you specifically do, because there's there, there's all of us have people in the space that we're in, what would you say that, that really differentiates you and your style compared to some other people in your space that also focus on the subconscious reprogramming?
1: That's a great question. And I would say the main thing that I have noticed thematically show up in my clients is that this is mindsets and mantras are very much those of the iceberg. And that's what most of, I would say, personal development space and the life coaching space tends to really try to drive home without considering some of the very, very nuanced, like you said, emotional trauma that people have gone through. There's a lot of people that, without dealing with the subconscious, without dealing with how the trauma has stored itself in your in your mind and your body, we have emotional reasons for doing everything. There's only an emotional reason for doing anything. It's the way we hope to feel on the other side of attaining the job, the house, the marriage, the whatever. And so without addressing emotional cash and emotional storage system that has completely cluttered our ability to be clear in our, in our heads, we don't have the capacity to access that higher resource. Our mindsets and mantras are nothing more than pinterest quotables when it comes to anything that's going to barricade ourselves into a state of being a stress response something that's locked into the somatic system that we haven't let go of when we clear our body of that we are able to then become clear our mind is able to become clear but without it we're hopeless so the marriage of our bodies Our bodies, we'll say archive, we have to include that into our subconscious. It's more than our mind. A subconscious mind is almost a body in and of itself. And whenever we feel something and store something, it automatically takes this almost micro tag and puts it in the mind that this is the way I feel. This is my reality. You think a thought, you feel the feeling, it stores in your body. That becomes your reality. I now live there everything that happens to me creates my thoughts, then creates my feelings. But my feelings, that's when the, the chemical compounds show up in the body and I'm living there. Now I'm literally feeling that sensation. I'm feeling into that reality. Like if I were really to meditate about jumping out of an airplane, I feel all that anxiety. I'm not jumping out of an airplane, but my body is, my mind is. That's why people have horrible anxiety. Will Smith told a wonderful story about skydiving his first time he was like for two days prior I had been jumping out of a plane multiple 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 times and I only did it once and I was worried about nothing it was he said it was bliss so I pair all of the things that need to happen in the mind to get you right with a very very authentic deep dive approach that is made for self-referencing self-exploration and self-autonomy You have to be able to gain personal freedom and confidence that is not outsourced to a coach, to a therapist, to a guru, to a pastor. You have to be able to be self-sufficient. At the end of a three-month coaching program or something, if you're just still dependent on the coach to answer your questions, you haven't been doing your work. So pairing that with what has gotten in your way up to the point, the glass ceiling, what is stored within you, what is stored within you that creates your old identity, has to be by path. It has to, you absolutely have to go in there first. So the first step to our coaching, the things that I do with people is I try to let's wiggle free of your literal old self. Let's find out what that is, how that needs to be integrated and then let's create a new mind and a new life.
0: Well, I think again, something that you touched on. Uh, I, Nancy and I were listening to a podcast and the problem right now is not an information or knowledge problem. It's an application problem. Meaning to your point, people need to apply what they're learning. You need to apply, if you're being coached, if you're being consulted with, if you're investing in something, uh, you know, Cara, for example you need to apply the strategies and methodologies of what you're being taught to actually see a result. If you're not applying, you're not doing the work and you're not going to see a change. Now, before I get to my final question, uh, first off, incredible knowledge. Love this episode. I cannot wait for people to listen to this on, on repeat. Um, if if people are really interested in the subconscious reprogramming that you focus on with your coaching what's the best way for people to find out about you, your coaching? Obviously uh, they can also listen to the happiness habit podcast on iTunes, but if they wanted to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for people to do so?
1: I'm really easily accessible. I kind of make that um, the, anybody who wants to get in my ecosystem, it's pretty easy. You can just Google Cara Payton. I'll show up everywhere. But if you want to go directly to carapayton.com, I'm more ever present on social media with regards to Instagram, it's kind of that one focus, like, I don't, everything else is kind of reposted, cross-posted, et cetera. I'm, I'll get to it, but it's, it's, Instagram is probably the best one, and that's just Kara Payton with a little underscore, but the websites, definitely, it's got all the information, it's got free resources, we have a free daily breath work, um, meditation process to help people tap into more of an authentic version on a bite-sized way, and then, you know, the workbook's going to be coming out, too, the re-authenticated workbook, it takes the things I do And it makes it a self-referencing process. So you don't have to even go through it with a coach. You can walk yourself through. It's a big meaty life transformation workbook that you can actually facilitate your own journey. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to reach me. I'm pretty easy to reach.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, all that information obviously will be in the description of this episode, but also the email that went out about this episode. So uh, it's going to be, as Kara said, it's going to be very easy to get in touch with her. So Kara, final question before we sign off today. What does success
1: truly mean to you? Hmm. I have an interesting relationship with that word. It's it's redefined itself multiple times. But I think over the last couple of years, I have really found a resolution in what that word means to me. It's. Did I show up as the truest version of myself today? The actual whole embodied self. And did I do what I intend? Did I do what what aligns with my intentions? And if I did, and I, I can honestly look at myself in the mirror at the end of the day and say, yep, that was a good one. I showed up exactly as I would have hoped to at the beginning of the day. I would say it's it's small, small little deposits into that ideal
0: self. I just want to reiterate everything that Kara said had nothing to do with money. And this is something uh, I'm, you know, heading towards 520 episodes of this podcast since I've had it. And I've interviewed well over 200 people, if not more, not one of them, not one of them has mentioned money has to do with success. Money. Is the side effect and the result of the impact that we have on those around us. They go hand in hand. So with that, Cara, thank you so, so much for being here today. I I really wish everyone that is listening to this uh, takes advantage of everything that you offer, whether it's just getting into your ecosystem within your podcast, your website, your social, uh, because I know it's going to help so many people. So thank you again so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So again, everyone, uh, as always, wherever you're listening to this to and from, please subscribe, uh, leave some comments, let us know what you want to hear more of or less of, uh, or in particular, what you loved most about this episode. So everyone, please enjoy the rest of your days, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much again for checking out today's episode. And if you are listening through iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are, please leave me a rating and review. Let me know what you loved, what you would like to see improved, or ideas you have for future episodes. And if you are interested in taking your business to the next level, Don't hesitate to go to my website, www.scotterron.net, where you can schedule a free discovery call with me where I can learn more about you, your business, what you're struggling with, and how we can work together. And don't forget to check out my wife, Nancy, and mine, our free community on Facebook called LinkedIn Leads for Life. We would love to see you in there. Have a great rest of your day. And thank you, everyone, for your support. Grateful for each and every one of you.